This is the French Asian Connections podcast series brought to you by the Jacques de Morgan French Asian Connections Virtual Research Lab at the National University of Malaysia, UKM, with the support of the Embassy of France in Malaysia. I am your host, Associate Professor Dr. Shantani Pillay of the Centre for Research in Language and Linguistics, Faculty of Social Sciences and Humanities, National University of Malaysia. In our inaugural podcast episode, we speak with Dr. Antonio J. Guerrero, a social and cultural anthropologist who has published extensively on Malay and Indonesian ethnic cultures since the 1980s and was recently involved in the translated version of the travel journals of Jacques de Morgan, a French explorer who traveled to Malaya in the 1890s. He also curated a very informative exhibition on the Mogok that was held in Kuala Lumpur in 2020. We are very pleased indeed to have you with us today, Dr. Guerrero. Uh, thank you, Professor Pillay. Uh, this is a very kind introduction and uh, I'm happy to participate in this uh, post podcast. And uh, I think it's a uh, kind of, uh, I mean, follow-up to the, the exhibition and the interaction we had uh, also in uh, different workshops. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Guerrero. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved in the recent publication, Jacques de Morgan's Explorations in the Malay Peninsula in 1884, published by the Malaysian branch of the Royal Asiatic Society, and of course, your experience working with the editorial team? Uh, well, it's a long story. <laughs> Actually, it started uh, more than 20 years ago in uh, 19, uh, 1997, actually, uh, when uh, Mrs. Miss, Mrs. Uh, André Jaunet published a book on the memoirs uh, of an archaeologist about the Jacques de Morgan unpublished diaries. And uh, this, the, the publication of this book in, pa in France, in Paris, attracted uh, the attention of uh, museographer and uh, researcher, anthropologists who had been uh, studying a uh, Malay uh, collection at the Musée de l'Homme, uh, mostly Dr. Christian Pelras and um, also Dr. Christine Laure at the Man. And, um, so after this uh, publication, they, they, they started thinking about uh, editing the unpublished drawings, watercolors, uh, manuscript notes of Jacques de Morgan that have not been, at the time, that, that, were, that were not published, to get it, uh, to make it accessible for a larger public. And uh, at the time, uh, I was contacted by Dr. Christian Pelras at the Musée de l'Homme, because I was also assistant keeper at the Musée de l'Homme for the Malay and Indonesian collection. So in 1999, we had a first uh, meeting about this project, publishing uh, project at CNRS edition that were the, the National Institute, Research Institute in Paris, that were ready to uh, publish the book. And um, I worked also on other collections from Malaysia and Indonesia and the Philippines, which are the museum, the, the Malay world, in short, the Malay world the collection. <clears throat> so I, I was uh, working at the time on other collection, on mostly Borneo collection. But uh, I shifted to the um, Orangasli collection of um, the Morgan. <clears throat> and at the same time, I 
I started uh, to work on different uh, manuscript and data relating to the Morgan uh, exploration for the book project. <clears throat> so it involves three museums actually in France. It involved the, the Musée de l'Homme in Paris, the, the MAN, the National Museum of Archaeology in Saint-Germain-en-Laye with Dr. Law, and the Baron Gérard Museum in, um, in Normandy, in Bayeux, with Antoine Vernet. So that was a, a bit of a muse museographical project at the start. And then we moved to other uh, fields also. Uh, the idea also was to make available the former articles uh, and publication of Gérard, uh, of um, Jacques de Morgan, which had not been actually uh, accessible. So the, the, the concept was to have this in the, in the book, in the French edition that was published in 2003, to have the, the material on, uh, <clears throat> on this expedition in, in uh, Perak together with the museographical data, the collection, which had not been studied previously. So that was a kind of synthetic work. And uh, the book was quite successful in, in France. It was very well received. Then uh, at the time I met with Paul Pratoshka from News uh, Publication in Singapore, and he became to be he came to be involved with uh, Embrace also at one stage. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> some time ago. And uh, eventually, after a few, year, a few years of work and tra translation, uh, the, the book uh, was ready to be published as an Embrace monograph in 2019. It was completed really in late uh, 2019. And uh, we had, uh, we had a lot of uh, correcting of the, the proof, and uh, but it, it's a very successful uh, venture because the book, of course, the, the, the Embrace edition is different from the, the CNRS edition because uh, he omitted uh, other material uh, about the Morgan's uh, activities in, 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 the New, in Egypt and the Near East. So that's, uh, that's the French version uh, of the book. Maybe you have seen it and uh, the cover. Yes, I it's have. a bit thicker. It's thicker than the <laughs> the brass uh, publication. But I think both are, are quite uh, complementary, and there, there's some differences. Some differences in edition within the the, the book also, and it it gives a special focus, of course, on the Malay Peninsula and uh, Jacques de Morgan uh, exploration in 1884. Um, so that's uh, that's the main point. Uh, I work mostly uh, with uh, Dr. Law, with the collection at the Musée de l'Homme, and uh, with Dr. Law uh, at uh, the Man, and uh, also on the archives, because the, most of the, the archives were at the National Museum of Natural History, of which the Musée de l'Homme was a was a branch actually at the time. Uh, what can I say? Uh, so the, the, team, uh, the team at the Embrace was mostly helped by uh, Dr. Uh, Hugh, um, Henry, Henry Barrow, who was a leading figure for the, the translation. He supervised also the translation with two other persons. So that the translation work was the major, uh, the major piece of uh, work actually for, for pu publishing the book. 
because the the other the editing had been all, already I mean uh, prepared by CNRS about the illustration and uh, but it took much time to to finalize the translation because it's 19th century mm. it's late 19th century French it's not uh, contemporary French and you you have to to recontextualize of course the 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 the, the, the writings of Jacques de Morgan and. Uh, it's well. It reads very easily, and it's pleasant, and the, the illustration also uh, fits very well into the the Jim Brass and uh, Brass version. Uh, it's a success, actually, and uh, I suppose it's popular <laughs> also in Malaysia. <laughs> and uh, we, must, I must say, a word about uh, Mrs. Jonet who. André Jeunet was a distant relative of, uh, in-law relative of uh, Jacques de Morgan. Actually, uh, she passed away about 10 years ago. And uh, she, she was also the, the main character uh, behind the development of this project because she, she, had, she, she kept all this uh, unpublished drawing and watercolors in Marseille. And uh, she, she gets in, in touch with uh, the man and Dr. Law, and that's how also the, the project developed in France and uh, <clears throat> in the late 90s. Uh, so I met her several times also in Marseille because my uh, laboratory, my institute is also located in Marseille and uh, it's been there for also for 20, more than 20 years. And uh, in, 20, in 2011, I, I received actually the Jacques de Morgan Award from the Academia uh, Massilienzis, the, the Scientific uh, Academy of Marseille, uh, the, the award, and uh, for my work on Jacques de Morgan. It's a yearly award, actually. Yearly, if there is something to, to be, of course, uh, awarded about. <laughs> Congratulations, that's really, really, um, you know, spectacular. Um, and um, yeah, it, it sounds like a very, um, you know, it, I mean, you said you started in the 1990s, so you know, it's yes, a yes, it's a long term, very long term yes. project because it involves the museums. You know, museums also are, <clears throat> are huge institution, and at the same time, also, there was a kind of uh, restructuration of the Musée de l'Homme with the Musée du Quai Branly project. So it makes it a bit difficult, but we managed to go through that and uh, complete it just before the, the there was a kind of uh, structural change from one museum to another with the moving of the collection. We had the time to complete the work uh, just in time before that. <laughs> thank, thank you, Dr. Guerrero. Um, uh, so Jacques de Morgan, though, wasn't the first French explorer to visit the Malay Peninsula in the 19th century. There were, um, in fact, two other French uh, geologists who had, in fact, traveled to Malaya earlier. Uh, than de Morgan. So would you be able to tell us a little bit about these other Frenchmen and why you think uh, de Morgan was the preferred choice for the 2020 publication? Well, uh, I think it's quite, uh, it's, it's, it's quite plain to me because, uh, um, I mean, he was a professional uh, geologist, mining engineer. And uh, before him, there had been only one, uh, one person uh, who was actually French-English. Uh, John Harrington de la Croix, right. who came in Perak in uh, 1880 uh, with his friend uh, Brode. 
Saint-Polias, Xavier Bro de Saint-Polias, who was a journalist. Bro was a journalist and publicist. But before uh, Morgan, uh, there was only one person who did uh, research actually in Perak on the mining, uh, tin mining industry and uh, the possibilities of developing French investment. That was his mission in 1980. He published a book actually in uh, 1882, a very detailed book on not so big, but giving all the information on the technical information about uh, tin mining in Perak. And I think Jacques de Morgan also was uh, inspired by the book because the, there was a commercial society uh, formed to, to, to make investment in tin mining in Perak in, in Paris. And uh, Jacques de Morgan was hired by the society in 1883. So only about three years after uh, our um, John Harrington de la Croix did his survey. And the Harrington book was published in 1882. So that's very, I mean, it was quite fast actually for the period. And, and uh, there was uh, much uh, uh, excitation maybe <laughs> about Perak and the development of Perak as a kind of uh, industrial or I mean economic hub in, in the Malay Peninsula and I guess um, that's why that's how actually uh, Jacques de Morgan arrived in, in Malaysia in, uh, in Perak in 1884 in, uh, in March he stayed about uh, 10 months only because his project uh, change i mean after he went to the the site for which he has been hired to exploit as a, a engineer mining engineer he he was also proposed by uh, sir frank swetenham to do who was acting uh, acting resident at the time to perak uh, uh, to do a survey of uh, the perak valley actually the, the topographical survey so he was commissioned actually by the by the administration of Perak, the British administration of Perak, in the colonial context, to do this uh, survey because he had superior skills as a draftsman and um, topograph. I would say he used, a, I mean, a different method to, to very modern method at the time, with triangulation to calculate the, to make, a, a, I mean. A, quite an accurate uh, cartography of the Perak Valley. And nobody had done that before. And that's plain from his map. I mean, you've seen maybe the, the reproduction of the map of the Perak Valley is just amazing because it's, it's done by hand. He went up on all the summit and get these measurements. And uh, it's incredible in only two months, two, two months and a half. And it's just unbelievable. And uh, this was done. Yeah, of course he had some uh, help from, from the, the, the residency of Perak, he had the, I mean, the team elephants, um, porters and foodstuffs and everything, but uh, still it's just amazing. And, uh, and the, he had also, uh, which is another point which is important, uh, he had a, French, a young French um, Eurasian guy from Penang, uh, Emile Ardouin, who was his interpreter and uh, helped him to, to negotiate also with uh, Orangasli or Malay communities during the, the survey. And uh, that's very interesting also because uh, he, he developed a very close relationship with Emile Ardouin, 
And uh, th that would be nice, actually, to, to have a, a research on Emil Ardouin. I mean, in connection with a relative, a distant relative in France of Emil Ardouin, because the family was based in Penang, uh, in, in, in uh, Georgetown, in uh, Penang. But oh, I, don't I see. That's very interesting indeed. So, yeah. so Ardouin was actually already, he was already living in Malaya at that yeah, time? Yeah, he was, I think he was born, he was born in Malaysia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh -huh. I don't have so much data, actually, detailed data about Ardouin, but he was involved before uh, working with Jacques de Morgan. He was involved in the, some surveying in the, um, in the, in the Siam kingdom and the Isthm of Kra. But maybe that was part of uh, Malaysia, I mean, the Malay kingdom. It was a Malay kingdom at the time, a bit north of uh, Perak. And uh, then, he, of course, he, he spoke... Uh, fluent uh, Malay and maybe Siamese and uh, Chinese also and uh, other other languages and he could communicate with all the the people and uh, so that makes an interesting combination also and we have not much uh, discussed that actually in the book and because we focused first on, on the Morgan and his own uh, interest and uh, the, the, the precision and the quality of the Morgan uh, observation is very high, actually, and it, he had also a very humanistic um, way of looking at Orang uh, Asli communities, and basically that makes it a bit, uh, uh, I mean, he's in this sense, is a bit uh, ahead of his time. He was more open, and he has no, we had no stereotype, ethnic stereotype about uh, Orang sleep communities, and he called them uh, by name. That's, I think it's very important. Uh, he called people by name and he refers as just as normal people. They are not savages. They are, uh, it's a simple society. And, uh, and he was impressed by the way they adapt also to the rainforest environment. I think that's something which is, uh, should be stressed actually. Uh, and he managed also because of his talent as a draftsman, uh, to recreate the, the the universe, I would say the the, the environment, the, the natural environment of Upper Perak, uh, the community, the, the longhouse, the, the the hamlets, the Rangasi hamlets, the, the the Malay villages, and the landscape. Yeah, the, uh, much talent actually in doing all these uh, drawings, and uh, also in the precision in. Uh, Description, I think that's came from his training as a geologist also. Right. Because most of the explorers were not geologists, they were only ethnographers and they, they, they lacked the, the, the training of the Morgan. Yes, you are right, actually. Um, the, the sketches in the, in the book are amazing. They are really very, very intricate. Uh, drawings and and details very detailed as well um you said earlier you know that uh one of the the points in uh, translating the uh, volume was uh, recontextualizing uh, the 19th century language french um, language and so this is of course connected to what you said about uh, the orang asli community so how do you think um you know your experience in translating it and uh, the language, and also could you tell us a little bit about what you mean by this humanistic uh, perception, more about the humanistic perception uh, of the Morgan, especially with, in relation to the Orang Asli community? Well, uh, I think that's, yeah, that's the main point with uh, the Morgan, because at the time he knew, he knew that Orang Asli community had been subjected by uh, 
I mean, neighboring groups uh, to uh, slavery, and there were uh, also violence against this community. They are, they are peaceful. He stressed the peaceful, uh, yes. the peaceful aspect of Orangasli communities, living by uh, Adat rule in the small hamlet, also intermarrying with other Orangasli communities, and uh, they had their own tradition and rules and. He, he was impressed by the, the, this aspect and he tried to, to give a fair uh, reporting of the, the communities. He, he was also proud to be the, the first, uh, I would say, anthropologist at the time to, to, to speak about these people because there have been uh, uh, many other reports. He criticized actually Broder Sampolias for his simplistic and uh, I mean, among the French um, visitors to Perak, because he, he would think that, uh, he would say that uh, Bro was uh, considering the, the Rangasli, the Senai, or the Semang as just as savages and not really uh, giving them the, 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 the humanity, the humanity or the, 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 the respect they needed. And that was one of his agenda, actually. In, in, and he, but Morgan was had a more general uh, interest in scientific research. He was interested in natural sciences and, uh, and ethnography as well. So he combines the two during this uh, expedition, doing this survey at the same time. So that's just amazing because he, he collected also the object for the, he had more than maybe 200 uh, objects were collected from Orangasli and Malay communities. And, uh, that was a real uh, uh, feat also, and uh, in a, such a, sh a small, uh, short time. Uh, so the amount and the, the quality of uh, the Morgan uh, observation on Orang Asli community makes, it, makes him the, the, the first really uh, discovered, uh, this uh, explorator or of this, of this uh, social, um, social world. Uh, how this community interacted at the time that they, they were just uh, they were quite independent also he stressed that aspect right. they were not submitted really to any power they were free in the past i think this um, is a very good point yes yes it is uh, and and we can see that uh, in, in the text thank you very much dr guerrero um, could you then talk to us uh, about your own work on curating uh, museographical collections on Malaya or the Malay world, and especially in connection with uh, other French explorers and the French community during uh, the colonial period, uh, and, and also, of course, the, the recent um, Jacques de Morgan exhibition as well? Uh, well, uh, yeah, that's, I think it's, it's important to, to have a larger picture. Of course, we, we know about uh, <coughs> de Saint-Paulias and uh, John Harrington de la Croix, who did also collection from the, from the Malay <coughs> and Orangasli communities in, in Perak and other places in Malaysia. And they, they deposited the collection at the Musée de l'Homme, which was called at the time Musée d'Ethnographie du Trocadéro. Trocadéro Ethnographical Muse uh, Museum. And uh, beside them, there were other also explorers or visitors to Malaysia, to the Malay Peninsula, who collected a few objects and give them later to the museum. And this was uh, <clears throat> quite uh, in, 
I mean, in, in connection with the development of the museum at the time, it was founded, uh, I think, in 18, 1878, and it developed slowly and uh, by mostly by donation. So the, these people who were in mission, I mean, uh, de saint polias and Errington de la Croix were on official mission and they collected for the museums. That was part of their mission besides doing other activities, uh, scientific or diplomatic activities. And um, <clears throat> so the museum has uh, now has, has, a, has a quite a large um, se uh, series of collection on Malaysia. Uh, that were not really uh, exploited. The collection has been left. They were just unknown. They were just in the store for, uh, I would say, almost a century. And uh, when we, we started to, to work on this project, there had been no exhibition on, uh, on Malaysia, on Orangasli, on Malay communities. And so the, the, the exhibition that took place first, there was a the first exhibition that was staged in 2003 in Paris, in Saint-Germain-en-Laye at the Man Museum, Musée des Antiquités Nationales. And uh, that was the first exhibition. Uh, it was coinciding with the launching of the CNRS, CNRS book. And uh, so it got uh, quite a lot of um, attraction. And it was at one point, it was supposed that this exhibition would travel to Malaysia, to Kuala Lumpur, to the Museum Negara. But unfortunately, for different uh, reasons, the project was difficult to organize because of the cost, insurance, and the, object, the fragility also of the objects. And there were different, uh, I mean, uh, drawbacks. There was none. And then uh, this was uh, postponed, so to speak, and uh, we got another project with the, the translation and the, the exhibition that took place in, in the Alliance Francaise. But that was an uh, exhibition based on uh, iconography and text, and there was no physical objects from the collections, from Jacques de Morgan uh, collections. So there was a bit of shift, but I think it's the exhibition, uh, the panels are quite comprehensive and uh, the information is well presented, it's condensed, it's very condensed and uh, it covers also the natural history aspect, the landscaping, the, the natural history which are reflected in the, in the drawings. The, I mean, it's also beautiful as art, you can enjoy it uh, as an art exhibition because the, the drawings are so beautiful, the engraving as well, and uh, it's quite, uh, I would say, comprehensive. Uh, Yeah, maybe that's, uh, of course, the, <clears throat> there were later uh, explorers also who came to the Malay Peninsula, like uh, Klen in the late 1880s, and then Lapik uh, in the 1895-96. Uh, but they, they were uh, more interested in uh, basic ethnography, and they, they did only photographs, there they were no drawings, and. So it was much less interesting actually than Jacques de Morgan, which, the, which has the richest corpus of uh, drawings, watercolors, and his photographs were lost, unfortunately. There's only one who remained, which is reproduced in the book actually. Uh, oh, what a shame, right. Yeah, yeah, I think his raft capsized. Oh he dear. Raft, 
when going going down the back to from Upper Perak to Kuala Kamsar, is raft capsized in the, in the Perak River and uh, at one point on the rapids and uh, the, the the photographic plate were lost. What so a shame! Yeah, what yeah, a loss! What a great loss! In yeah, time. so we don't know actually what he, mm. what was the the how many plates. So he doesn't mention that in the because there's only one plate or. Maybe he had no camera. We don't know really if it was his own, uh, or maybe he was given some photographic plates by uh, by people in Perak. Also, that's possible, and uh, that's a point which has not been uh, really uh, explained yet. Right, that's very interesting, Dr. Gray. Thank you. Uh, lastly, could you speak to us about your overall experience in curating uh, comparative French archaeology or ethnography uh, with reference to, you know, uh, the anthropology of the Malay world, larger Malay world, or any other uh, exhibitions that you have been involved in, apart from the uh, Jacques de Morgan exhibition? Uh, yes, well, I've been uh, working at the then uh, at the Musée de l'Homme on the, doing a survey of the collection, the, the, the Insula Southeast Asian collection. I followed in uh, in the step of Dr. Christian Perras when he, he retired, actually, I think 1999. Uh, but I was already at the museum for some years working on the on the, the, the Borneo collection. Then I, I shifted more. Uh, because Borneo included as well Sarawak, Sabah, but also Kalimantan. I shifted then to the Philippines and Malaysian collection and had, uh, in order to get a wider, um, wider uh, experience in the, the, the collection, which are quite diverse. And uh, this was part also at the, at the time of this uh, project, uh, ongoing project of the Musée du Quai Branlis, where we, we had the insular Southeast Asia uh, display that was the concept <clears throat> so that I did uh, different uh, work on the collection for the, the Musée du Quai Branly and this opened in 2000, 2006 but this is the the permanent permanent exhibition was based on the uh, on the insular um, I mean insular Southeast Asia and Malay world uh, collection but focused mostly on tribal people that's also another point, and the, the Musée du Quai would not really was not really interested in, uh, I would say, Malay or Javanese or Balinese collection. They were rather focused on tribal people, uh, so to speak. I mean, um, Orangasli were not also included. There was mostly um, uh, art rather than ethnography was the focus in this new museum. And then uh, I worked at also for other museum in France, uh, not, not, uh, in the northern France. I did also a couple of uh, curating a couple of exhibition on Borneo at, uh, at the Musée de Lens, Museum Lens Museum, which is in northern France, and Saint Quentin Museum. And uh, this has been going on uh, also with small uh, exhibits on. Uh, smaller exhibits on different, more thematic uh, approach from the national collection, also with private collection. And uh, because the, the now the, the main museum actually who, who has uh, the, the collection uh, of, the, of Insular Southeast Asia or um, the Malay world is still the Musée du Quai Branly, but they are, they are not exhibited, unfortunately. And this is something which I, I think could be maybe 
developed as a special project with uh, with Malaysia is there was a possibility to develop more interaction with Malay Museum, maybe Museum Negara or other museum in Malaysia, that would give maybe an opportunity to, to present some of the, the collection from the Musée du Quai Branly. <clears throat> but uh, it has to go through the official channel and diplomatic, uh, I mean, I would say, uh, yeah, interaction and it takes time. It's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive too. I mean, you have to have a larger project, uh, but uh, it would be rewarding. It would be rewarding to do that. And because this collection are just lying there in the, in the stores and uh, nothing really is done with that. There are also photographic uh, archives. You have on one hand, we have the photographic archive uh, and the other hand, the ethnographic uh, collection. And I think it's, it would be nice to combine something uh, to have a more. There, there were some attempts, but uh, I don't think they have been very uh, successful. There was a short, uh, small exhibition in uh, in La Rochelle, also in the early 2000, with some object from that, mostly about French presence in Malaysia. Maybe you have heard about that exhibition. Uh, but not ethnographical object. It was mostly focused on uh, engraving, photograph, and uh, on Fauconnier, notably. Right. La Maison des Palmes, there was a documentary made at the time, and uh, quite good documentary, uh, actually. And, and uh, there was a sequence. In the documentary, there was a, um, a scene of uh, Orang Asli uh, using um, blowpipe. Senoy, Senoy people uh, from possibly from Perak. There, there was no no information uh, given in the in the documentary about that. Uh, but about uh, three minutes, and it was very very well done, actually well shooted. And uh, beside other, of, of course, Fauconnier is more literary figure than <laughs> an anthropological topic. But it's nevertheless, it's it was quite. Uh, interesting and uh, there could be more uh, initiative I think uh, maybe you have to develop the awareness about the, the, the ethnographical collection and the, the need to contextualize them out of the, the colonial period up to, to now I'm of course and it's uh, this collection also reflect the, the period the, the way of uh, ethnographers or explorers who worked in the 1880s to the 1920s so to speak I mean in a larger uh, colonial uh, development period. And now it's, it, if you have a distance with the, the, the colonial uh, period, it's, it's interesting to, to show the, the, I would say the discrepancies or the, the shifts that could be opening when you look at this in a more post-colonial look on the collection and uh, the different uh, books which have been uh, maybe you've seen uh, the book about taming the wild and which is a uh, an interest it's a recent book published uh, a couple of years ago three years ago maybe on the colonial malaya and uh, i mean looking at uh, the colonial context and trying to get some more more insight from this experience and uh, adapting it to a post-colonial uh, uh, paradigm. Yes, um, <clears throat> yes, thank you, Dr. Guerrero. I think, um, you know, part of the reason for this podcast as well is to 
um, you know, create awareness for the role of the French and French engagement uh, with Asia, which is also quite marginalized. And it's, it's very interesting that, you know, you've brought up all these collections that are sort of waiting to be discovered and exhibited so that, you know, people are can can know more about the past. Um, thank you, thank you very much for speaking with us today, Dr. Guerrero. It has been extremely informative, uh, and I hope too that our listeners have gained insights into engagements that took place uh, between French and Asian communities uh, in the past. And um, yes, I do hope that you know uh, with UKM we could probably uh, work um, you know on some project um, in the future with. Um, uh, you know, some funding or uh, depending on, uh, in, as you say, you know, museum and museographical collections are also very expensive. But um, let's, you know, um, have some hope for, you know, more engagement with uh, French connections uh, in, in the past uh, in, in Asia. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Guerrero. Thank you, Professor Pillay. And that was a pleasure to talk with you and to share uh, the information and uh, and experiences uh, about this uh, publication and projects and uh, museographical projects thank you you have a good day ahead and thank you have so a much good day. thank you bye 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 bye, -bye.